So two weeks ago, as Sherilyn so beautifully said, uh, Duane opened out the first gift of Advent to us, which was amazing, a beautiful message on hope. So this morning, as you've already heard, the gift that we're putting under the tree is um, the gift of peace. The scripture reading that was given to me by Josh is found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, now that is a loaded phrase. We could stop there and it would be an amazing message. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, think about such things and whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Paul says, put it into practice. Then we've got this lovely sentence, and the God of peace will be with you. Um, This Advent message is about the peace of God, not about the God of peace simply because that is a huge and layered consideration. And um, so we're just going to confine ourselves to the message of peace found principally in verse 7. There's a story about artists being invited to um, paint what they depict, how they felt peace should be depicted. And so apparently there were lots of works of art and there was this one which is, and you may not be able to pick it, but right in the centre there is a bird in a nest with its chicks surrounded by the raging waterfalls and the thunder and lightning. Um, Well, I am a mother and a grandmother and I think that bird is an idiot. Um, So I needed to find some better peace photos. Um, I thought this was pretty cool and I like that one too. Uh, Peace can impact all our senses. Uh, The smell of brewing coffee, the smell of lavender, the touch of a hand that you've been longing to feel. At Christmas time for me, it's any good tenor or any good soprano singing Oh Holy Night. Uh, These are lovely things and we should embrace the peace that they bring. Yet the substance of peace is gritty and it's robust. So in the Old Testament... This word mentioned over 230 times for what we say is peace is shalom. It's a layered word and I've just picked out four of the many words that um, are drawn together under this word shalom. Wholeness, fullness, soundness and completeness. Amazing. Josh preached on shalom a couple of years ago and I was totally taken with the idea of it, and it's been dwelling with me ever since. Then in the New Testament, the word is irene, and it also um, carries quietness and rest and so on. But what thrilled me was when I read that it originates from the root word iro, which means to join or tie together into a whole, even to being reconciled one to the other. 
uh, to step into agreement. And I even flirted with the idea of um, trying to draw into it what the Anglicans had, the ancient tradition of pass the peace, because it was to be, um, as well as being um, greeting each other and communion, it was to be an opportunity for reconciliation. What a beautiful thought. So there in the Old Testament, wholeness and completeness. In the New Testament, tying together into a whole. And when we let all of that sink in, I think we should find hope for our deeply complicated human condition. The gift of peace puts us back together. Satan, this is a phrase from somebody else, Satan is an intensifier of human weakness. And I think we can all agree that COVID has certainly flushed out all kinds of human weakness. Um, Chriso, a couple of weeks ago, gave us the phrase that's still resonating with me the, by a man called Chris Brown, the unmasking of mastery and autonomy. That has been so true during these last 20 months. Duane, uh, two weeks ago, quoting Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect. So if we want to open this robust and gritty gift of peace, we must ditch our masks and accept our imperfections. And the reason is simply this. When the coffee's not brewing, you don't feel the touch. There's nowhere to go fishing. The chair isn't comfy. We still need to know that peace. However, problems arise, and this is now my story, the problems arise when we make decisions about whether or not we're worthy of this peace. So when I began to explore this gift um, in order to do this message, my experiences of the last 20 months got in the road and the word dismembered came to mind. It really exploded in my mind. And all of that can be boiled down to, do I know his peace when I don't even know if I'm okay? And in that eye, that's not the preaching technique of I, that's Joy Great's eye. Do I know his peace when I don't even know if I'm okay? So I have found this message quite confronting to prepare, frankly. Um, and I'm owning a desperate need to understand peace forensically. Because I want it to hold up in the courts of law that I keep conducting in my mind. So let's go back to Philippians 4. Because if we don't read it carefully, it will come across as transactional. And by that I mean this, that if we rejoice and we're gentle and we pray about everything, then we'll receive God's peace. Or if we think about things that are noble and right and pure and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy, then the God of peace will be with us. Now, although the New Living Translation does use the word then uh, attached to verse 9, it says, then the God of peace will, um, which does suggest a transaction. It's actually not in the original. It's not in the original. And it's not in the translations that I checked. So we must read it as the gift is and peace, not then peace. Which brings me to the subtitle for this Advent message, and it is, at the same time. What do I mean by at the same time? All right, 
I said to you that the word that exploded when I was trying to come to grips with this idea, this, the gritty and robust aspect of peace, because that's where it transcends my understanding. So this is my dismemberment, and perhaps I'm wrapping you up in some of mine as I deliver it. So um, it's a bit of an arts and craftsy message, but you'll be okay with that. Uh, so my dismemberment is like the father of old um, out of Mark chapter 9. Thank God Mark was inspired to add his little story in there. He said, uh, eager to see his son healed, he said, I believe, help my unbelief. And it's interesting, the, the Young's literal translation, it's like, um, be helping me with my unbelief. I thought that was so, so active. Um, it's feeling close to God in prayer and the dismembered part is when we are living inside of Psalm 61, hear my cry, O Lord, attend unto my prayer from the ends of the earth, I cry unto you. It's times in our life where there's evidence that we trust him and that we doubt. It's clarity around life and also living with muddled, muddled thinking. It's confidence in God and in ourselves with insecurity about who God is and who we are, also part of our story. It's evidence of wholeness and evidence of brokenness. This is still us. It's just that we're not whole. We're not tied together. There's no sense of completeness. And no matter how much we know in our heads that we don't have to be perfect, there's still a tendency for us to feel and expect peace when we've got all of our good bits on display before the Lord. And frankly, that makes us so good we don't even need his peace because we've manufactured our own very nicely. Peace can be found for sure, and this is important to say, Peace can be found when everything around us is harmonious. So I don't think we need to look under rocks for reason to find the transcendent peace. <laughs> Let's have as much of the nice stuff as we can. But it must be, peace has to be fully operational when everything around us and in us is not harmonious. A little sidebar, um, for many years, and I, I've said something and I'm sure you have said too, which is that peace is like the arbitrator. So when I lose my peace, it's a sense of alert. And I'm not going to say that anymore. I'm going to shift it to the word unease. Because peace, unlike my little floaty people here, peace is not Casper the Friendly Ghost. Peace is not something that wafts by and if I'm lucky I'll get a bit of it. Peace, this gift of peace is to abide but there are times when we can feel unease and it'll be Holy Spirit signification, something we need to be cautious about or there's a shift in direction. But peace must maintain. Back to the message. So instead of feeling dismembered, let's settle that we are all of these things at the same time. Let's settle that we are all of these things at the same time and that the gift of peace overlays all of us, all of it, making us whole and complete, tying us back together. And again, we have to get that phrase. It transcends our understanding. That's important. 
Let's not waste time trying to figure all of this out. Let's get as much of, as much of it understood as we can, but recognise that it is just another touch of eternity on our lives. So this is how it feels to me. That instead of clarity around life and muddled making me feel dismembered, the peace of God ties me together when those two things coexist in me. And instead of feeling confident and insecure and feeling like I'm less spiritual than I should be and dismembered because of that, we are tied together by the beautiful gift, the overlay of peace. When there is evidence that I trust God and I know deep in my heart that there are places when I doubt him, I am tied together and you are tied together by this gift of peace, made complete and made whole, no longer dismembered. Feeling close to God in prayer is a wonderful thing. I love those moments. I love my prayer times where there's a mound of tissues left at the end. But there are other prayer times when it's, I'm doing my job. You'll hear me pray because that's what I should do right now. And there's no tissues. But those things are still us and we get tied together by this amazing gift of peace. And finally, evidence of wholeness, evidence of brokenness. They can be all of us at the same time and we are held together, tied together, made whole and complete because of peace. The Advent gift to us of peace is this, that he scoops us up, every bit of us, and he speaks peace over our dismembered selves. Praise his name. Psalm 21 gives us another way to consider this. And with that, I'm going to hand the microphone to Lizzie. So this is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I think this psalm, when, when most of us read it, you, you think of it as a seasonal sort of psalm. You think of it in terms of those moments of life that we work through. We can have those seasons of rest and restoration and we can have that wrestle season and we can have that redemptive season. Um, this, is, this is absolutely how life works. We know that there's seed time and harvest. We know that joy comes in the morning. So this is fully legitimate and a fully important way for us to understand life and, and have that confidence, um, particularly in, in darker places. And what happens around them? Well, we've got the starting point of, of that relationship with him and we have that end point of the promise and right throughout it, irrespective of the season, we have his direction. But at the same time, you know, that, that valley place, if I think of the people in my own life, 
so many of them have had valleys that way outlive what feels like a reasonable season. It goes on and on. Prolonged sickness, um, might be mental health challenges that, that they might have for all of their life. Broken relationships that, that seem to not change. Unfulfilled hopes, financial struggle that doesn't really shake, that sense of being overlooked and injustice. Loneliness, any other form of oppression. I think most of us probably know that. We might know it for our own lives and we probably know it for the people around us. So what happens when that valley stops being really easy to say as a season and it's outlasted it and it becomes, in actual fact, a circumstance? And the beautiful truth, and this is what mum's talking about, is that at the same time, see, with this psalm, there's no connective words. Uh, I'm, I work in comms. I kind of like the way <laughs> stories are structured. There's no and then, and then, and then. So it is actually possible to interpret and read this psalm as a whole lot of ideas that are able to coexist at the same time. And so for this, it's that idea that, you know what, in those valley seasons, we can have some confidence in his provision in all kinds of ways, you know, it could be that gratitude in the valley, that, that, that assurance that we have enough. And we can have that, that real confidence that we're enough in him while waiting for the victory. And, you know, even the idea of redefining what victory looks like, because sometimes that assumption that it's something ending, that may not always be what victory is for us. And then absolutely this idea of peace. Um, I recently heard that the opposite of stress is trust. And I kind of like that idea because there's that moment where you go, well, how do I get that in the valley? And so I've been sitting on this idea for actually nearly a couple of years. And um, I did what, what pastory people do and I went to Joy <laughs> and uh, then asked her to go to Hebrew <laughs> and um, as in the language uh, to find out if there was a trick embedded in this because, you know, the, the unveil and here's the special scripture and here's the magic trick and we're all sorted. Um, it's not there. It's a pretty straightforward psalm. You actually don't need to really know Hebrews to get the psalm and the heart of it. Um, so here's what we have. We have that relationship and that's that site of trust. And we have that promise. And so many promises, in fact. And all throughout, we have his direction, which is made up of his leading, his correction and his love. And so that's really the thought that I just wanted to, to leave with you is that that peace is absolutely possible in any kind of season and also in these prolonged circumstances. So we're really coming into our communion time, into a time of response. I've got a few questions. Where is peace for you? Does it come and go with the seasons of life or does it overlay your circumstances, no matter what they might be? Because the gift of peace is to abide with us always. And I say this because I've certainly been in this space myself in preparation. If you need to do so, repent before the Lord as you sit there now for being your own judge and jury. We don't get to decide if we're worthy of this peace that transcends our understanding. The only choice we have is whether or not 
we will receive the gift. 1 Corinthians 11:23 Please hold your communion element in your hand. For I've received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he'd given thanks he broke it and he said, "This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me." And in the same way after supper he took the cup saying, "This cup is the new covenant in my blood." Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. When Jesus died on the cross, he covered the entire human condition. All of our sins at the same time were wrapped around the cross that day. Praise God. So this morning, what do we do in return? A drained communion cup is evidence that we accept what he did for us. The invitation this morning is to return thanks by gifting the evidence back to him. Partake as you feel to and then if you feel to do so, come forward to gift your drained communion cup to the Lord in this gift basket. Receive his peace.